have to adjust. Um, all right, so about a year ago, was it a year ago? About a year ago, over a year, over ago. A year ago, we met for a session, yes. and I recorded that whole thing, and then we started doing episodes of Strange Transmissions, but um, kind of forgot about that recording a little bit. Like he nobody... totally didn't know you recorded the whole. Yeah, thing. we recorded the whole thing, but then so just uh, recently we kind of remembered we had it. Right, and so Kelsey was listening to it to like cut things together to figure out what we had. Um, as far as an episode, if we had anything, as far as an episode, um, and realized there was some uh, some like cool stuff in there about my family history and lineage and things like that. And then it just so happened um, that I remembered that my aunt had this box of an entire family tree um dating back to when my family was still in sweden um and all of this history so we're like hey we should get our hands on that and dig through it and see what's what's what um and then yeah we found some kind of cool stuff did, so it, match, would, did it match with anything we've oh well, yeah that's what we're gonna yeah that's kind of some of the things that's kind of some of the things so our idea for how we want to structure um uh, this episode is kind of start with Kelsey, I think, doing a voiceover of that piece, uh, talking about. Um, so this is when I do the voiceover. Are we recording? Okay. So that was our producer Eric Gruber, who you just heard in the studio along with Suzanne Worthley. We're going to return to them there in a little bit, but first we have to jump back in time about a year and a half ago. When we first started recording stories for Strange Transmissions, we sent our producer Eric to see Suzanne for a healing session. Suzanne is Ryan's mother, who you just heard in the last episode. She's an energy practitioner, and the best way I can describe it is she meets with people and helps them heal and feel empowered. People who have chronic pain and doctors don't know what to do, people who are stressed about what they should do with their life, or people who are maybe near the end of their life and they don't really know how things are going to go. Eric had never experienced any kind of alternative medicine before, and not to say he was a total skeptic, but he's pretty analytical and approaches these kinds of things with a critical eye. So we wanted to see what it was like for him and get his honest, genuine reaction. This is Kelsey. Welcome to Strange Transmissions. You ready, Freddie? Because I'll treat you like a real client. All right. Let's... Okay, so. Yeah, what do we do? <laughs> Are you scared? A little bit. I, mean, <laughs> I know. You know, it's just kind of the nervousness. I think that's not, what's no, so I funny know. is you recording this makes you feel more safe. Because if you didn't have that, you'd be like, no, what's she really going to do? But right, I can yeah. record this and prove that she isn't going to kill me, right? Right, yeah. It's all, right. all on tape now. <laughs> that's right. Yep. And so if they don't find my body, they at least know yeah, what they happened. Don't. Well, unless they don't find the recorder. The tape. Okay, so basically, when I have a first-time client, what I pretty much do is, because of the fact that you did indeed make the appointment, and in your case, you're kind of forced, but that's sure. okay, I usually ask the client their intention. So really, yeah. I'm going to do the same thing to you. So when you actually did um, say, yes, I'll go do that, what right. do you think the premise behind accepting the invitation is for right. you? Um, I mean, I know I have a lot of things to work on. As we all uh, do. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest, I think, is I... 
really take on other people's energy. And so with a first-time person, what I always do is I basically go through um, what the energy is in terms of chakras and auras because I don't ever want someone on that side of the table, especially if they've never done something like mm -hmm. this before, to wonder what the heck is really going on. Because um, esoteric things and metaphysical work can seem kind of oogie-boogie if you not understand the basis of it. And so I do, that's why my appointments are two hours long, so that we take the time mm -hmm. for you to understand how the energy is working so that you can own the work a little bit better. Sure, sure. Okay. So when we are working, basically what you're looking at is from a linear standpoint, we live in consciousness and consciousness can look like layers and layers and layers and layers to the linear mind. The easiest way to look at it for a human is to put numbers on it and we can start... So this is when Suzanne takes out a picture of the human body and she starts making circles and drawing on the paper to explain things like human consciousness and multiple dimensions and energy fields and the choices we make as people and love and how all of these things maybe affect our physical bodies and what happens in our lives. She explained all of this to Eric in about 50 minutes, and each of those minutes probably could have been its own episode. So we're gonna skip ahead to where she starts explaining what happens next. So this is the easy part for you. This is the really good part. You get to just literally lay on that table and laugh, cry, or fall asleep, and it's gonna work. There's nothing you can do right or wrong to make this not work, okay? Some of the things you need to understand about what can happen on there is just feel the body because it can twitch, it can move, it can pull, it can twist, it can you, the uh, more that you attach to it, you can absolutely start to feel amazing, unbelievable things. There's no rhyme or reason to this, however. There's no right or wrong and it makes absolutely no sense and it's random as all get out. So okay. you can feel things, you can know things, you can see a red wagon from when you were five and not have a clue of why that's there, okay? I mean, it is bizarre, weird work that makes no sense. So my goal for you, if you choose, is to feel what it feels like to be your body. Feel any essence that's going on in the body and just be in awe of it and try not to figure it out because we'll figure out things later. Okay. So be in awe of what it feels like to be your physical form. Also, extend your faculties, if you can, to feel what it feels like to be around the physical form. With your eyes closed, you can feel sensations about you. So it's like, wow, I can feel down at my feet. Mm -hmm. I can feel the work over my head. I can feel the presence of somebody over my right shoulder. So that's a cool extension of the faculties that really makes it more neat. Okay. okay. Some of the things you need to know about the way I actually work is this. I will not touch your body with my physical hands at any point in time. So mm -hmm. don't wait for that. I don't physically touch you. You can feel the essence of me working by you or around you or near you, but it won't be a touch on your physical form. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, I don't talk to you at all when I work because if you talk, you're going to process and you're going to try to sure. think and you're going to figure and you're going to lose the feel. Okay. So I haven't left the building. If you absolutely have to say something, obviously I'm here to hear it. But mm -hmm. if you can wait until the end so that you don't judge, um, then I will ask you everything you experienced and then I will tell you everything I found and did. Okay. Thirdly, because I don't touch and I don't talk, I empath also, but I do it in terms of moving it through with my voice and my, I mean my breath. Yeah. And so I, instead of voice, I, and I, and those noises in the room aren't anything freaky or scary. It's simply me multitasking my energy so that I don't keep your stuff. Okay? Okay. Any questions? No. You ready? Yep. All right, so let's turn that off. And then we will At this point, Eric moves to the table. It's essentially a massage table in the middle of the room near a couch where Suzanne will sit for the rest of the session. The room is above Suzanne's garage. With the pitched ceilings and old furniture, you feel as if you're in a cozy attic. 
It's dark, the room is warm, and lined with small tables holding stones and totems that Suzanne finds meaningful for healing. Suzanne asks Eric to lie on his back and gives him a stone to hold in each hand. Then she sits quietly on the couch and begins her work. Recording. Great. Um, so should we start by, I don't know that we'll necessarily use any of this, but giving some context of what we're looking to record today, what we're looking at? Stay right there. This is the perfect distance? Yep. All right. Um, I don't like that if I have to talk to you, you only have one eyeball. <laughs> look like a pirate? Yeah, you look like a pirate. There. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do it. We're now back in the studio with Eric and Suzanne in the present day, winter 2017. The truth is we had kind of forgotten about this recording we had of Eric's healing session. I was listening through old audio files and I came across the conversation where Eric and Suzanne compare what they both experienced while he was on the table. At this point, I was thinking we'd do a general story of what a healing session is like. But as I listened to their conversation, Something just kind of hit me, and I couldn't really stop thinking about it. I just knew there was more to the story. So this is like a six-minute clip okay. to listen to. That's kind of our <clears throat> way. But not my head so much, just more like this part. It's weird how coming up certain parts of your body table. can come up and off. And yeah. what that means, Eric, is that there's a lot of spirit guide helpers that are literally lifting parts of your body. And okay. it's really weird. I've seen people literally come up like a V on the mm-hmm. table and be held like this, and there's no physical way that they right. could possibly do that. Isn't that crazy? Right. Yeah, it's wild. Could you uh, feel anything coming underneath, like a hand or a presence over or next to you while it was happening? You know, I didn't I didn't feel it. Like, I didn't. Okay. And I don't, I, you know, I might just not have been paying attention okay. to that because yep. I wasn't expecting that. You'll know I, when there's a feeling of somebody working right next to you or over you. Okay. Or walking around the table. Can You, you can mm-hmm. sense when somebody's doing that. Well, you were walking around the table. No, I never move. I'm all the way over there. I don't walk around the table, I swear to God. So you were never over here? Nope, never. Huh. That's your helpers. <laughs> okay. Because there was definitely somebody over, like, in this area yeah. for, like, a good part of the time. You actually... I never... assumed you were walking around the no, table. No, I never move. I'm all the way over there, and I never move. Oh, Isn't and that's that interesting. Yeah. And then... Uh, there's not even a chair over there. I got the impression that somebody was sitting on a couch over here, yeah. too, but there's definitely not a couch over cool? there. So. Yeah. Your grandparents are dead, correct? Uh, yeah, on my dad's side. On your dad's side, because that was who was standing here by the chair. It was actually your grandfather. Okay. 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 So that presence that you felt pretty strong here, because he's yeah. a pretty strong Yeah, presence. he's a very strong yeah, presence. Yeah, that's who this one right okay. next to, like as if I were standing in front of where I'm sitting right now, that mm-hmm. was grandfather. Interesting. Yeah. And he's a helper? Well, he was just here actually very curious. 
Grandma okay. was very curious also. I believe it. Yeah, yeah. they were very curious. I like, what it. the heck? Because yeah. that lineage on your family is super, super wicked strong mm -hmm. in belief systems and very straight. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of like, what is this? I felt there was a part where uh, I felt just like an extreme pressure on this side of my face, mm -hmm. like a pushing or something on this part of my face and I almost felt like I was fighting it yep um, and that is because you were fighting that a lot up there that's the programming and you didn't yeah. you have a lot of belief systems that says psychic stuff is not good yeah I have a lot of belief system that it's not like logical safe. yeah it's not safe. safe it's not logical it's not something I know yeah you come across very analytical and scientific and all that stuff I really believe that's a huge amount of programming that you believed about yourself having to do with the upbringing, especially on your father's lineage side. Whatever that lineage is sure. really seriously yeah. like strict in the beliefs. Yep. The true nature of a huge part of your soul self, I can't put it in any other description other than Pixar movies. Okay. There's a truth to you in terms of joy, wonder, and magic that looks like Monsters, Inc., okay? Yeah. Um, those kinds of creatures, that kind of a awe and wonder of a Pixar movie, especially Monsters, Inc., sure. kept coming out. Okay. Do you understand that about yourself? It's the secret side that you don't yep. share with anybody. Yep. And you, because of these belief systems, have squashed that down so far that you also, and this is a secret side that I don't even know that if you know that you know, has a fear inside of you that this stuff can get really wicked and scary. So this really creepy witch thing came out at one point, and you've created that. It's the duality in you, and the reason why you fight your body so bad on that table is, is because you fight duality. And when and if you ever choose to understand everybody has a witch inside and you don't have to be scared of it, mm -hmm. because what you haven't figured out is, is that we're designed in free will. And you, because of your belief systems, believe you don't have free will fully because sure. you're told in very many ways how to live and how to do, and you believe the programming of that I can't. Yeah. The reality is, is you've scared yourself so bad that you've squashed the creativity of the Pixar in you, sure. which is really sad because yeah. that's your joy. Yeah. I know. I'm hitting home, aren't I? Because yep. you can feel it. See your face? <laughs> And it's okay, and you should feel this because this is welcome to your emotions because this is what you've stuffed in your belly for so long. And if you would allow this body to feel the joy of the cranky witch just as much as the joy of the Monster Inc. Sure. wonderful being, it's not scary. And you've created a really big fear donut around you. Yeah. And you have validated the shit out of that with so-called science mm -hmm. and um, accountability, and mm -hmm. it's all bullshit. And when you finally, if you choose, to let go of all of that and really trust nobody's beliefs but your own meat body to know, I get to have a shadow side, and I don't have to pull that out because you're yeah. so fucking scared that that sucker's going to come out and hurt yeah. someone mm -hmm. that you take on every everybody's empathic stuff to just guarantee that you're awesome and you're already awesome you're killing yourself over it do you understand that yeah, i get it this actually comes from your father's lineage your father's lineage unbeknownst to your dad and i'm talking way far back in your dna sure. actually has really magical qualities sure but 
they didn't go real well way, 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 way back in terms of manipulative kind of okay. magical energy. Okay. So instead of owning that in a positive way, they clomped down and said, that's not acceptable. Mm -hmm. So you're having a little war within you because your DNA knows wonder and magic and awesome, and your DNA memory knows that didn't go so well, and mm -hmm. then you have on top of it... So we were listening to that. Um, I totally remember that now yeah. that I'm listening to it because yeah. I remember looking at you and you were totally the Monsters Inc. Pixar guy. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and we thought it was pretty strange. And then we remembered that, uh, you know, I had access to all this family history. So we were like, well, you know what the heck? Let's take a look and figure it'd be kind of fun to see you know, how far back it goes and what's there regardless. Um, so we got this box and, uh, you know, it's a lot of, uh, just newspaper clippings and awards and stuff like that. But then there's a complete family, you know, tree and lineage and history that goes back to, um, mid 1700s when the family was still in Sweden. Huh. Um, and then in, in one of the, the people who actually, uh, came to America from Sweden, there's a reference that just says, um, uh, it's seven centuries back. Uh, there's royal high blood, and then it has this name, Ebba Brahe. Siri, who is Ebba Brahe? All right, here's what I got. She's found Eventbrite. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's pretty so bad. Siri, So, who is Ebba Brahe? So who was Ebba Brahe? Ebba Brahe was a 17th uh, century countess in Sweden. Her family was one of the most well-respected, well-established, wealthiest families in all of Sweden at the time. Uh, her mom died when she was fairly young, 14 or 15, and her family decided to send her to the royal court to finish her upbringing and education as a 17th century woman in Sweden. Um, so her, her family, being really close with the, with the royal family, set her up to, to become a personal assistant, essentially, to the queen at the time, Queen Christina. Uh, Christina's husband, King Charles IX, died in 1611, just before Ebba went to stay with them. Um, and so, while her son, Gustavus Adolphus, was too young at the time to become king, uh, Queen Christina kind of run, ran uh, the country. So, Ebba goes to stay with the royal family, and pretty soon after she gets there, she meets Gustavus Adolphus, who will go on to become King Gustav at a party. It's love at first sight, so they immediately start exchanging letters with each other, seeing each other as often as uh, they can. And Ebba is already really famous throughout Sweden at this time for being beautiful and smart um, and charming. So her, you know, her reputation preceded her a little bit. So this goes on for a couple of years until... Gustav and Ebba decide that they want to get married. So Gustav goes to his mom, who's the queen at the time, and says, Mom, uh, I want to marry Ebba. And his mom basically says, over my dead body. Um, Christina already has plans for a son. She wants her son to marry somebody in royalty from another country so that they can form an alliance and, and kind of become a dynasty and a powerhouse. 
Um, so she uses all sorts of tricks and manipulation to fight this marriage. And you got to understand, uh, Queen Christina is a formidable person. Um, she's well known as being strong-willed and stubborn, and she's respected and feared throughout the country. So she's used to getting her way. So she says, no, I'm not going to allow this marriage. She actually turns Ebba's father against Gustav, so he won't allow the marriage. Um, she moves Ebba from the royal court, uh, sends her to set, stay with Gustav's half-sister, Princess Ka uh, Catherine, to get her away, away from the king, the future king, and the, the royal family. Um, but Ebba and Gustav persist. They keep exchanging letters. They keep trying to see each other against Christina's wishes. Um, and finally, Christina says, fine, I'll consider this marriage. But you have to agree to take a couple of years to think about it and consider it. Um, so at this point, Gustav uh, goes off to war. And you have to remember, for some context, uh, just about everybody is fighting everybody else in Europe during these years. So uh, when Gustav's dad died in 1611, part of his inheritance was, was three different wars, one with Russia, one with Poland, and one with Denmark. Um, so in 1613, Gustav goes off to war. Him and Ebba stay in touch, but while he's gone, he has an affair with a woman. Uh, this woman came from a, a you know a middle-class merchant family, so Gustav couldn't ever marry her, but they do have a son together. And that uh, kind of settles it for Ebba. She realizes that Christina's never going to give permission for her to marry um, Gustav. And uh, she doesn't, you know, like the idea that he had an affair and a uh, bastard child, essentially, out of, out of wedlock. Um, so she gives up. She moves on. She says, okay, uh, I guess Gustav and I don't have... Uh, a future. Um, shortly after this, there's kind of a, a famous anecdote uh, about the whole incident. Um, supposedly, Queen Christina is walking around the walls of the Stockholm Palace. Um, Ebba is following her uh, closely. And uh, Christina knows that Ebba's right behind her, and she actually uses her diamond ring to scratch a message for Ebba into a window pane. She says, One thing you want, one thing you shall. That is the way in cases such as this. Uh, Ebba sees this scratched into this window, and she steps up and writes in reply, I am happy with what I have, and thank my God for the grace of that. So that's kind of it. The love affair is over. Gustav ends up marrying a German princess, and he goes on to become uh, Sweden's famous, most famous king. They called him the Golden King and the Lion of the North. Uh, they say he was kind of the, the father of modern warfare, um, and he made... Uh, under him, Sweden became one of the most uh, powerful, largest uh, nations in all of Europe. A few years later, Ebba gets married to a Swedish count named Jacob de Lagarde. They move to Swedish Estonia. He is governor there. They have 14 kids together while they're in Estonia. Um, and that's kind of that. Uh, Ebba becomes well-known as a landowner. She's... she's still a really respected woman in Sweden. Uh, she increases her estates, um, but she's kind of out of the limelight because she's not in Sweden anymore. Well, in uh, 1628, uh, Jacob de Lagarde is done being governor of Estonia, and, and Ebba decides to move the family back to Sweden. Um, at this, During these years, King Gustav and his wife are trying to have children. Uh, they lose a lot of them 
uh, in infancy, but they do um, have one daughter, Christina, who lives. They had her in 1626, and Ebba has a son named Magnus, who's about the same age as their daughter, Christina. Uh, so Ebba moves her family back to Sweden. Uh, they get become more active in the royal court. Uh, and Magnus and Gustav's daughter, Christina, become really close, really tight uh, friends. So Ebba decides she's going to use her son's position to gain influence with Queen Christina. She becomes really active in the royal court again. Um, and she becomes, again, a really powerful woman. Uh, so to understand what's kind of going on during this time in Sweden, uh, especially for women... Uh, this is the time when witch hunts and witch trials were sweeping the nation. Uh, during the 17th century in Sweden, hundreds and hundreds of people were accused of witchcraft and executed for being witches. Um, so basically, during this time, if you're a woman and you have influence or power at all, there's a good chance you'll be accused of being a witch at some point. And Ebba Brahe was, in fact, accused of being a witch. Uh... So here's what happened. Here's how she ended up being accused of being a witch. Um, Queen Christina, who's great sons with Ebba's son, uh, Magnus, uh, is a smart woman. She's well-educated. She's interested in the arts and religion and philosophy and math, uh, science. And she's a little bit apathetic about what's expected of her as uh, the Queen of Sweden. So in, in 1649, she announces her decision to never get married, and she names her cousin as her successor to the throne. So this causes a huge scandal all over Sweden, and in 1651, a historian named Arnold Johann Massanius and his son accuse Ebba Brahe of using witchcraft to persuade Queen Christina to never get married. Um... So what happens? Well, both Arnold and his son end up getting decapitated for treason. Uh, Christina gave up the throne, appointed her cousin as the king, and she moved to Rome. And Ebba lived for 23 more years to the ripe old age of 77 and uh, was never accused of witchcraft again. So, not only witch, but royal lineage, I suppose we got to bow around you now. <laughs> <laughs> and she might not have even been the only witch. Um, so, from Ebba, we trace the family line back to the 11th century. And this is when stuff gets really weird. Uh, this is like Game of Thrones. I was going to say, now it gets weird? Yeah, no, this is, there, it's crazy. There's betrayals and massacres. There's a, there was an event called the Stockholm Bloodbath. Uh, where the Danish king Christian killed most of the Swedish nobility, including Ebba's great-grandfather. It was what, what was supposed to be a peacemaking banquet. Wow. Um, it is Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know. It's nuts, yeah. Um, and then this line actually goes all the way back to a guy named Ingevald Folkesen, uh, and he was the founder of the House of Bielbo, um, also known as the House of Folkung. This house produced most of the jarls of Sweden in the 11th, 12th, and 13th century. So a jarl is uh, the second in line after the king. So they're basically the second most powerful person in the country after the king. Um, so the first jarl of Sweden was Ingvald's son. His name was Folk the Fat. 
And I love this. And, uh, so according to historians, Folk the Fat was the most powerful man in Sweden around 1100. Um, and he married the daughter of the king of Denmark, Ingegerd Newt's daughter. So Folk the Fat and Ingegerd had a son, Bengt. Uh, little is known about Bengt's life. Other than that, he had three children. Uh, one of these was the son uh, Magnus Miniskold. Uh, Mar- Magnus married a Swedish noblewoman named Ingrid Ilva. And Ingrid Ilva was a legendary and is a legendary figure in all of Scandinavia. Uh, she's known as the White Witch of Sweden. According to stories, she used magic for her family's good fortune. There's a legend that she defended the house of Bielbo from a surprise attack by climbing to the top of a church tower, tearing open a pillow of feathers, and spe- spreading the feathers across the land. As they spread, the feathers turned into knights in armor. Uh, she could supposedly see into the future and predicted that her line would succeed to the Swedish throne as long as her, held was, as long as her head was held high. So her son buried her standing upright. <laughs> then in 1250, her grandson Valdemar actually became king of Sweden. Um, From a feather. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh. So this was the 13th century, and things were different then in Sweden than they were during Ebba's time in the 17th century. Um, the witch trials were hundreds of years in the future. And in Sweden in the, the 13th century, the ability to master magic was considered a powerful and admirable skill. There was a clear line between white and black magic, but even black magic was legal and wasn't yet punishable by death. So Ingrid, or the White Witch of Sweden, was greatly admired for her abilities. Wow, that's some serious stuff. Yeah, it was um, It was exciting. It was exciting to find. Like It was kind of cool. We had a fun, a fun day looking into it. I'm in awe that your family had that much packaged information that your lineage was that complete i mean who did all that work that's a that's a big deal yeah so i had a great uncle who was really interested um and he hired somebody in sweden to trace it all that's very cool yeah but yeah i don't know i mean i think it's cool like and i think uh but do you believe that the cells can actually hold fear from centuries of lineage coming through because we know that it didn't necessarily go well I mean, do you understand yeah. that concept that your yeah. cell memory can affect today? Sure. Do you get that? And and understanding that logically, mm-hmm. what does it feel like now when you know that history? Does that feel different? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like it's uh, empowering a little bit um, to be aware that that history is a possibility and, and be maybe a little more... Um, just aware of that of that possibility and, and maybe not fight <laughs> fight the possibility quite as much. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know what to think of this whole thing. He's just like so trying to make it logical and it doesn't work. No, I mean it's hard. Like it's Yeah, I think it, it, you know, I think I I was doing a lot, when we were, like, first discovering this, I was doing a lot of that processing, um, and have continued to, but I don't know that it, you know, we have a funny recording where I got really drunk, and I was, like, like, yelling at Kelsey, I was like, 
What do you want me to say? I'm a witch? <laughs> Find that one. <laughs> oh, I have it. She has it. Yeah. You know, I look at it, and it could all be just bullshit, because it's based on it's a single line in a three-ring binder um, that has been passed down from generations, and it's like a purely speculative, speculative line. Right. Of, of, of somebody said that the lineage goes back to this countess. Sure. And but what does that mean? So I don't know. Like I, I don't feel like it makes me feel like more of a witch. Not less of a witch. No. I don't know. I guess it's 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 what do you what's a what's a witch? <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. And for a while there, you you were pretty frustrated by that. Yeah. No, I was really I was really frustrated that. Like you needed the proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was frustrated that the proof wasn't there. I was frustrated that there's this disconnect between um, what, where, like, my documented family history ends and what actually can get traced back to this countess in 17th century Sweden. Like, there's just this missing gap. And for a long time, for me, that was enough to be like, well, ah, it might, it, you know, it's probably all bullshit. It's a family legend, then, you know, it's hmm. just a story. Um. Yeah. But but what changed in that? Yeah, I think I realized that it just didn't. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, I guess, if it is just a family story. Um. Uh, every person has a family history. Um, that has significance, and whether or not you can actually trace it back with a piece of paper or papers that say this is your family history your ha your family history still holds i think like meaning and significance um even if you can't prove the factuality hmm. of it if there's a story in your family and it feels yeah that makes sense that that would be accurate um you know it's okay to believe it's okay to believe in the mythology mm -hmm. then you know then it becomes myth and and the mythology of your history is just as significant as the factuality of your history it's cool when you when you said like um you know a pixar movie like it sounds kind of goofy but it actually like re really resonated with me with you know seeing the world as uh full of possibilities and, and imagination and and um kind of just assuming some things in the world are are magical and you know you, you hit the nail on the head when you said um how i had been kind of fighting against that and and repressing it uh 
Okay, if you don't have a reflection, I have a question. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. When we were actually listening to the recording and I hit a, a place of truth for mm-hmm. you and you could feel it and I made reference to it in the recording about you know that, mm-hmm. you can feel it, I can see it on your face, etc. Can you explain what that truth feels like when it hits the actual meat body or comes from within can you explain to somebody that's a listener that has never maybe had that kind of an experience where something so bizarre out of the blue um, basically you don't didn't know me all that well back then so right. pretty much a stranger just pulled something out of you know left field that made my body feel like what it was a, a great it was like a big pressure but I don't know if it was crushing me or being released you know what I mean <laughs> like it was a uh, I guess that's kind of confusing. Maybe like a wave. The best, the best way I've ever been able to describe it, being a musician, um, is like resonance. Like when it, when even if you're in your car or you're in a, a house and you're listening to music and a, it hits a specific note or pitch, and you hear things vibrate yeah. in the house oh, and around you, like everything is just buzzing. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I've always equated that to. Sure. It's almost a sense of clarity, and yet it's so big you can't quite get your head around the clarity. There were kind of subtle uh, things, and things that I didn't even know, and I don't... I think that's what's even stranger is there were things that I don't even know why I reacted that the way I did. Exactly. That's the cool thing. Mm-hmm. When you can't make sense of it and the body reacts to that extent, that is the true... That is the true aha, because that's what we call the awakening, or that's the universal truth, or that's divine truth, because the body can't lie. And so since that, do you think that you've opened up spiritually? And I don't mean dogmatic, you know, go to church spiritual. I'm talking like, do you think that you have opened your mind as well as your body up to more experiences? Because you've certainly had a lot of experiences in the year following um, physically and emotionally. Right. You know. Right. Yeah, I think I certainly have. I think I certainly have. um, I go into a lot more things with a more open mind and, you know. Is even in so much as uh, we had uh, some things in our apartment where all of a sudden, like things would be in the middle of the floor, and a year and a half ago, I would have been like, "Oh, it was a draft of wind." Right. And you know, now it still might have been a draft of wind, but I'm not immediately going to say there's just there's no way it was a ghost. Right. It's obviously just a draft of wind. Um, now I'll you know I'll. I'll I'll be open to the possibility. I'll be like, well, logically, there's no windows open, so it probably wasn't wind. <laughs> In a couple more months, you're going to be talking to the ghost. Or right, like, oh, yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Knowing I have a something in my DNA that, that it gets excited about the possibilities of, you know, beyond the analytical. Um, and so just being more open to entertaining some of those things and and uh yeah having more fun right i mean know. doesn't it make life a little more magic yeah it makes it yeah it makes it a little more interesting you know not feeling like everything needs to be explained right 
And I think that's part of magic, and I think that's the sadness of the world today. Everyone wants an answer. And that was what was so cute about you, even though you went and got more answers. You actually came up with more <laughs> Just questions. That's the way I am, I can't help myself. <laughs> but you came up with more questions and more awe out of the answers, right. which is actually quite productive mm-hmm. on the magic side. So. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting too, because if you look at just the, the history um, that's there, that there was a time when people were really excited about that idea of magic, and then there was a time when people were getting burned at the stake for that the very same the very same thing so you know it's it's kind of maybe i'm going through an opposite pr- progression where it's in my own mind my my history has been well that's bad you get burned at the stake but then maybe i can do kind of an opposite evolution and go towards hey it's actually kind of fun and cool and um yeah there's possibilities there almost so. every single person i work on myself included this happened to is scared of their power and we don't know why and I think a lot of it has to do with the lineage and the DNA and the cell memory from those times when we were extremely powerful and those of us that find our gifts in this current life usually have that resonating fear of oh this can go really bad because we have had many many lives where it has gone really bad Mm -hmm. and the goal is to I think remember free will and free choice in this lifetime. Yeah, I do have cell memory on both sides. Your lineage shows a white witch as well as a dark witch. And you have choices, and we always have choices. So I think any healing work is to remember and own your power fully because I can do anything I want with it, and the consequences come along with that. I have a question. Our story. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. <clears throat> Are you ready? I am ready. Because <laughs> sometimes we joke that we use you as a guinea pig, mm-hmm. especially for strange transmissions mm-hmm. <laughs> and experiences. So when you actually allowed yourself to have the session, was it under duress? <laughs> no, I was excited. I was excited to try it. And I think... Uh, I've since suggested to other friends that they should do it, you know. Um, we actually, Kelsey got a session for, I don't think he's come to see you yet, but he's probably checking it out. But he he's, he was really excited about it. Um, and so I, it wasn't underdressed, and I'm glad I, you know. It was a really cool experience. You know, it's, it's cool to um, kind of, take the time I guess to just uh, think about what you're doing you know and why you do why you know it's interesting to think about why you do the things you do and Hmm. some of the uh, you know if nothing if nothing else just a level of self-awareness of kind of what you know think about who you are as a in reality like you know beyond all the all the things you do to function in the world kind of who, do, who are you inside and, and what do you want to be?
See, that wasn't so scary. Uh, no, that wasn't so bad. Yeah. That was good. Welcome to the good. real you. <laughs> All right. There you be. I'll contact you in about a week or so via email just to see how you're feeling. Great. Anything in the meantime, you know where I am. Okay. Okay. Oh, thank you. Click. This is Ryan. Instead of a regular dedication, this episode we're going to try something a little different. We have a series coming up about artificial intelligence, and we're hoping our audience would like to help us out. If you'd be so kind, this would take just a few minutes. Grab your cell phone, laptop, whatever you have that records audio, and try to answer these few questions. First, what's your name? Feel free to use your first if you want. You can use your last, I guess, if you want to. Um, also, how would you describe artificial intelligence? How should artificial intelligence be used? And what do you think is the future of artificial intelligence? If you could, email that to us at team at strangetransmissions.com. That would be fantastic. Also, if you don't have the ability to record yourself or don't feel comfortable doing so, feel free to shoot us an email to that same email address and answer the questions via type. And thanks as always for listening. We'll see you next time.